The following podcast is a Dear Media production. From the offices of Create and Cultivate, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party, a podcast for working women that support each other's successes. In each episode, we bring in leading female powerhouses for career, real talk, and BS-free advice. Ready to create and cultivate the career of your dreams? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Let some things be retrograde. Yes, let some Yes, that is so retrograde. We are back. This is what some might call a bonus episode. I'm Elizabeth Hot. Hi, I'm Stephanie Simbari. We love a bonus episode. Two for the price of one, honey. Yeah. I don't know what character I'm in today, but it's a real, I'm in a real like weird 2D character. I like her. I also <laughs> want to point out the fact that we're matching. Yeah, we are. I only we wear four days now. I've, I'm a... Ugh, I ordered their white crop baby tee and I wore it three days in a row unwashed because I was like, this is the only t-shirt that I want to wear for the end of time. I ordered that one too. Oh, we're going to match all the time. <laughs> really, really pleased about that. Yeah. So should we just get into this? I'm really excited. I feel yeah. like in engaging with the listener questions, I was, I felt like, wow, there's so much more that I could share on the show. <laughs> right. And I think, listen, Things are really heavy right now. And yeah, I know for they me, are. I, I haven't noticed. <laughs> I just want to enjoy the things I listen to and and have a nice ex- escape. So that's really the guiding force behind this episode is just to like have some fun, get to know us a little more. And hopefully we can share some of our, our, our wisdom trudging through the hallways of the wellness community and life over the last six years. Make sure you're registered to vote. Okay, let's get started. Oh, okay. I'm not going to vote. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) And in one fell swoop. We get canceled. No no one ever listened again. (laughs) No, I actually really am concerned. I really want to vote from home. So I feel like that's the thing that we actually really need to be concerned about. Because the thing that I'm really worried about are the, the polling lines. Yeah. So if you actually, we mentioned this before, but it's worth reiterating at Vote Save America, you can head over to their website and you can make sure you're registered to vote. You can figure out how to get your mail-in ballot. Yeah. I found out in California, being a resident, we all get that automatically. Didn't know that before. So dig around on there. They have tons of valuable information. What's the first question, Steph? So we got these questions from you guys via Instagram. And so they all came in through our DMs. So that's a fun thing. That's a fun thing to note. So the first question is in regards to celebrating your birthday in quarantine, LA local. This is a re- this is recommendations. So I have a, a good idea. Do you have a good idea? You tell me yours. So my idea kind of starts with a question. The question is, what type of person are you? Are you a gathering person or are you a, you know, one-on-one person? Are you in a relationship? Are you single? Like there's a lot of different things that could factor into how I would answer this question. 
But for me, where I'm at in my life, what I think that I want to do for my birthday is have a very small group of people under 10 go somewhere either in my neighborhood or to an out of town Airbnb and just like bring the party to you. Get a karaoke machine, get some games. With COVID tests. Yeah. Get tested. As a mandatory. Sure. I wrote that down. I just didn't say it because it seemed obvious. Yeah. Get COVID tests while you're at it. Throw in an STD test. You know what I mean? You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> um, Make sure you're really safe. Have a small gathering where you bring the party to you is, is what I think I'm going to do. I personally like partying at home as it is. For my birthday, it was really at the at the beginning of all this. So people really weren't even, I think, thinking about safety in destination travel or anything like that, that was off the table. So if you're more cautious, rightfully so. Joey did for me is he had everybody send video messages and put it into like a compilation. And that was so kind and special. Okay, moving on. I like this question. This question has to do with drug journeys. Someone was talking about how also, I love the notion that it's called a drug journey. Um, how proper. That's so lady baby. It really is lady baby. I, they were they were saying, and I think this is an interesting point, that she wanted to hear about women's experience with psychedelics because she's sick of hearing only people like Joe Rogan talk about that experience. And it's right. from a very masculine framework. And I think that's super interesting and really, I'm so comfortable talking about my experience using all different kinds of drugs. So where should we start? I'll say my favorite is mushrooms. Yeah, well, I was going to say like, what's a memorable drug experience you've had recently? Well, there's a few different things that I've experienced recently. In my younger years, so I've never really been like a hard drug person. I never, I never, when I was really young, I had a boyfriend who was like a really bad cocaine addict and like did like a ton of ecstasy and it like broke his brain and his self. And so that was like, Something that I just early on was like, I'm not going to really go into that. I just, I never saw the the benefit of that drug. It never seemed fun for me. I only am interested in taking part in drugs that are going to like expand my mind. And that's why psychedelics are so amazing because they do like lift your perspective and let you see more clearly and more deeply into your own experience. And I think that's very valuable information to take into your sober life. So this summer, I really, I mean, I've done this a lot, but this summer I really got into microdosing mushrooms and I was eating, I was taking them like a couple times a week, just a little bit. And not only did it help me on this, to see this reality a little bit more gently and really peel back and understand like more of a spiritual connected nature instead of like the acute, like fucking punch in the face that reality feels like all the time right now. And kind of resource sure. and ask myself, like, how can I contribute? How can I participate? What's the best use of my energy and my time? And like, also looking inward to see where I need to be healed in order to do the things that we're trying to do, which is participate healthy members of this new society. So I think that psychedelics in that way are an incredible tool to crack the layers of yourself that you either have fear around, trauma around, questions around questions around all of those things. Like it's a really, it's like a a medicinal journey. And then also I love to laugh. It's my favorite thing. And mushrooms give me the fucking giggles beyond anything that you could ever imagine. And then if you want to take that up a notch and you really want to go on a fucking silly ass journey into reality, 
I do recommend trying LSD at least once. It's really fun. Obviously, do it in like a safe environment with people that you trust. I suggest a nature trip for a drug like that because the universe is miraculous and insane. I did it one time I was in Israel. And is it so fun? It was a very much of a microdose, which I'm more into. I have friends who have been exploring doing like, as you speak of like the daily microdose, like you're not tripping, but you're just, as it's been described to me, she said it activated her wonderment for life yeah. that has been lost and signed me up. I'm really excited about what we're seeing coming down the pipeline in terms of advanced studies that are happening for how these medicines can be used to heal PTSD and yeah. depression. And I mean, these are the conversations that really excite me. We're really stoked to be getting into this deeper on the show. Steph and I have been actively researching and talking with people offline and, and really building out some like cool curriculum for us all to learn more about this. I recently also had experiences with DMT and with ketamine. You know, these are things that before I knew too much about them, I was like judgmental and fearful of because it seemed like heavy, mm -hmm. like a heavy dose of something to try. But yeah. my experience with DMT was extremely profound. And I'll just share that I just did it one time. I smoked it out of a vape. And it, the experience itself was actually quite short. I just like, I basically turned into a starfish and connected with the universe and then like came back into my body and I was exactly where I was the whole time. Interestingly enough, the starfish totem is the same as the falcon, which I thought was wild. I didn't know that until after. The thing that was really, really cool about DMT and why I think it's like the future and like I think that we're going to, I hope that we're going to see a world where the pharmaceutical industry no longer has a chokehold on mental health and where we can explore options of, of healing our brain through substances that can do that in a not pharmaceutical way, but still a controlled way. And here's why. Because with both of these substances, both DMT and ketamine, I felt like they rewired my brain in a very specific way. And I know that because I'd had this recurring dream for like years and years and years. It wasn't always the same exact situation, but in the dream, the end result was really upsetting because I was always losing someone. Like I was not, they weren't dying, but like I would be with someone and then I would lose them. And then I spend the whole dream, like looking for them and chasing them. And like, I constantly felt like I was like at a loss. And this was like something that I was exploring and like trying to understand, like, what is the meaning of me feeling like I can't keep track of people and like feeling like I need to keep like going and getting, and it was just like this really intense thing. And I did the DMT and the night that I did it. And then in like the subsequent nights, the dreams narrative changed. The point is that the chasing gave me deep anxiety and the being sought after made me feel really calm. And it was like my brain like let itself off the hook. Like I just kind of reframed Ooh. reality. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head with your brain letting itself off the hook. Yeah. That's what I've in the the psychedelic journeys I've taken, that's what happens. And it's mm -hmm. also and it and it's a two-part experience for me. It's it's the effects of the drug as you're tripping, but also when that wears off, the perspective you yeah. have. Yeah. Yeah. How old were you when you guys lost your virginity? 
I'm curious now that we all know when Elizabeth got fingered for the first time, LOL. Ah! <laughs> Until then, I had forgotten that I'd shared that. So. <laughs> How old were you? You were young. I was like freshly 15. Damn, I didn't have my period when I was 15. Mm. I lost my virginity when I was 17 to my ex-boyfriend's best friend for revenge. If that's not the most Scorpio thing you've ever heard in your life, I don't know what is. <laughs> Oopsies. I lost it to my first boyfriend. Aw. In hindsight, I could have waited. I wish somebody would have said to me, you're going to be having sex the rest of your life. Yeah. You don't need to like do this this soon, but it just felt like the right the best considered action at the time. Yeah. But. And there's you know. like, there was pressure around it. Like, I remember feeling like I was never going to do it at one point. You know, I was like. Really? Yeah, because it just felt like I was scared. Like, I would make out with everyone, but I was like so scared. I remember the first time I gave someone a blowjob, I like nearly cried. I was terrified. I was like, oh. <laughs> it's so traumatizing. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I was like, what is happening? Just- I have to put that in my mouth? Gross. I just got like anxious thinking about it. <laughs> I, ha- I definitely have some like unresolved trauma around my first sexual experience and it like comes up at, at times. Should we work it out right here and right now? <laughs> we'll save that for another show. <laughs> Guys, uh, we're super stoked to be partnering with Foria today for this special Ask Us Anything bonus episode. Foria, we discovered them back in 2015 when we had the founders on the show. They are an innovative health and sexual wellness company with product lines for intimacy, relief, optimal well-being, and an unwavering commitment to clean ingredients, organic and regenerative farming, sex education, and responsible packaging, and also maintain the highest standards of purity and transparency for your health and the health of our planet. So Elizabeth, we both have been using Foria since we discovered it five and a half years ago. And it's just the greatest thing ever. They are on a mission to close the pleasure gap. They were the first brand to create a comprehensive product line addressing the sexual needs of women and supporting pleasure for anyone with a vagina. They also have effective formulas to support the important life experiences from menstruation to menopause. And let me tell you, friends, you put this arousal oil all up on your shit and things take a turn for the better. If you have a bad cramp, you use a suppository. I mean, it's just like taking care of your lady bits in a way that no one's ever taken care of them before. Suppository for cramps is a phenomenal product. I've never come across anything as good. And when they started out, they were THC. Now it's CBD, so people anywhere can have access to it, which is really thrilling. One of one of the benefits of 2020, probably the only one. Can I say something about us? They have a statistic that I'd like to share because it's deeply disturbing to me. So there's something called the pleasure gap. And according to research, men have 20 to 50% more orgasms as heterosexual women in partnered sexual encounters. Now, And on average, 75% of women never reach orgasm from intercourse alone. Okay. And 10 to 15% never climax under any circumstances. This needs to change. If we're not going to change the pay gap, we must change the coming gap immediately. (laughs) 
special offer for our retrograde listeners. Get 20% off your first order by visiting foriawellness.com slash retrograde. That's F-O-R-I-A wellness.com slash retrograde. 20% off your first order. All right, let's get back to the show. Okay, here's a question. Yeah. If you were not doing that so retrograde, what would you be doing? I said, I don't know how to answer this because I said, if the question, if I wasn't doing to it, CSR, what would I be doing? Cannot be answered because this is not a job that I'm trying to escape from. I mean, I guess I can imagine a world where Elizabeth doesn't exist in a fucked up parallel universe, <laughs> but it's hard to imagine that because it breaks my brain. <laughs> That's what I wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sweet. Like, I don't, I don't um, know how to answer yeah. that. I don't want to imagine that, but it's interesting because I'm I'm in the depths and the throes of doing the artist's way right now, as I've mm. mentioned, and there's a really great exercise from last week's workbook that's called Imaginary Lives. And you're supposed to write down without overthinking it five jobs that you could see yourself having. Okay. So here were the five that I wrote down like in just that came to my mind. A cooking show host slash private chef. A drama <laughs> okay. teacher. Ooh, I love that. An advice columnist. Ooh. Or like a concierge or like a house manager. Those are all, those all sound like really fun jobs. Really? Because it's such a fun exercise. Yeah, that's a really good exercise because you know what it does? It expands your awareness of your interests and skill set. Totally. That's cool. And it's kind of interesting to see like how those things do or don't infuse into like what you're doing now and can really inform like the things that bring you joy. Totally. Unfortunately, aren't always as tapped into as we should be. Mm-hmm. Or as one would like to be. Yeah. Okay, you pick one. Should I do a serious one or a light one? Serious. How did you learn to open yourself up to love? I think that that's an ongoing gig, to be All honest. Right. When it comes to how people treat you and, and the boundaries that you set for yourself, I, that's key. It's like you really need to set the tone for yeah. interactions and and how and how you want those to go. And I think to that personal empowerment key is primary. Well, here's the thing with that. And I think that's so true, but this is something that I've been really, you know, oddly, the pandemic has been such a fucking journey for that for me specifically. A lot of the reasons I think that we aren't able to set the tone or create the boundaries or or the thing that you're describing is because of the story, you know, of the of the the fact that we that we take what we think that we deserve and then we hide away for fear of being hurt. So it's like you got, really have to ask yourself, why am I not comfortable saying what I need? Why am I not comfortable asking for it? Or owning it. Like for me, that's such a big thing. Like my biggest hitch right now is being like saying to a person, like, I don't want to be intimate with someone who's being intimate with somebody else. Like I have such a hard time just like admitting I want to be considered special. And I, that I'm looking at that and being like, what the fuck is the problem? Like why? And then I'm just going into my life and being like, okay, like I can pinpoint this experience or that experience. And I can, it can pinpoint that wound and that ideology that I was given. And just really asking why, why, why? Unpacking, unpacking, unpacking until you get to the core and you're like, holy shit, I don't need to fucking be attached to this anymore. What's my comfort? What would I actually be most comfortable with? And then fully owning that. 
not apologizing for the fact that you're just creating a reality that you're comfortable with. And if somebody can't meet you there or when you're vulnerable or whatever, then that's okay. Like you don't need to be attached to that person. It's all about your own personal refinement in setting the tone for your comfort level. And you know, the spiritual owl actually told me that. She gave me that word. It's all about your own comfort. And I was like, that really helps me because that's a very simple way to understand how to create a boundary. Either I'm comfortable with this or I'm not comfortable with this. And that's really easy to discern. Yeah. And it's also something I've noticed in my own life is like what I do, the sacrifices I might make for other people to feel comfortable because it's like I'm okay with not feeling comfortable sometimes or like my threshold might be larger or I can assess that. Yeah. And so like making exceptions so that other people can feel comfortable. And it's nice to be thoughtful and it's nice to consider where other people are coming from. But I think as women, we so often just take our own comfort out of the equation. Yeah. And like, you know, I had this experience. I'll just, I'll speak directly to like something specific, like a month ago for the, for the two months prior to that, I had been like sleeping with this guy that was my neighbor. Guys, I'm really pulling the curtain back. This is answering the question on my love life. And he was like so good looking. And I felt I I was projecting onto him like that he was this spiritual man and that he, all this stuff, but really he was just a new age fuck boy. And I didn't see that until it was too late. The thing that ultimately made me stop is that I felt like I was doing what you were saying. Like my, I was letting my threshold of discomfort be so wide that I kept going into something that every time I came out of it, I was like, I'm so drained by this person. I'm so annoyed. It makes me feel like toxic to think about continuing to continuing to give to him. I've just been giving and giving and giving and I've not been receiving anything. And I realized that that's my fucked up comfort level is to give and not receive because I have a hard time with receptivity. So I'm like, okay, I'm getting so fucked up. I feel so icky and uncomfortable because I'm staying in a comfort zone for me that's actually creating discomfort, which is to give and not receive because that's my own Mm. fucking childhood wound, you know? And so, but because of all the other work I did, finally, I was on the phone with him and I was like, you're making it like pulling teeth when I ask you to come over and that's unacceptable to me. And I'm not coming over to your house. And if you want to see me, you can let me know and you can make an effort and we'll take it from there. And guess what? Haven't heard from that motherfucker since. Well, at least now you know. I'm not in a place where I'm attached to that, but it's just like, right. you have to be willing to let something go if it's not serving you. And I wasn't willing to do that. So I kept hurting myself giving him my attention and giving him my time instead of taking ownership of myself and being like, no, what I need is to feel wanted. And if that's not something that you're capable of, then in a weird way, by pushing him away, I think I opened the door to let something better in. The witness to this, I was just like, this guy is fucking dead weight on to the next. He was so dead weight, but like, you know, it's 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 confusing. It's pandemic. It's like, whatever the fuck, you're like physical contact, you know, good dick, whatever. But really modulating your comforts and what they mean and whether they're positive or negative is a really good place to start. Oh, also one more thing that my friend Benji said to me about dating, which I think is really, really wise and I keep passing it along and it comes down to letting go of your judgments. He said, don't let your preconceived notions become your dogma. 
That is a very solid piece of advice because the second that you project your preconceived notions and what you think that you want and what you think that you need, you are fully putting up a block to receive what you actually need. He needs to be like this or like that, or or she needs to be like that or like this. And these are the qualities. And it's like, I would encourage you instead of putting forth like qualities, put forth the way that they make you feel. Because that is a much easier thing to identify in yourself than they have this type of job and this type of thing and whatever. And ultimately, the this type of job, the looks this way, all of those things, once you're in it and you're in a relationship, like those are the things that can go away. Yeah. And what remains and the, the thing feeling. that keeps it going is the feeling. And by the way, I'm speaking from a place of totally not having this figured out and still very much on that journey and have a whole new situation now that I'm trying to, you know, navigate my way through. But I don't feel scared. And I feel like that's, I don't feel scared to go on the journey or to have an open heart. And I think that's all you can really ask of yourself. Because we're humans and we're messy. And it's like, it's never not going to be messy, you know? And you even told me when you first started dating Joey, you're like, I was so scared I was going to lose him for the first like two years. And I'm like, what? Yeah. I didn't know that. There was like that like undertone of energy of like, I love this so much. I don't want it to go away. Right. That was like gnawing at me. And like, what? Someone said, do you struggle with diet culture, body image? Has it affected your eating habits, workouts? What have you learned as you've gotten older? Of course, you know, we struggle with it. I said- yes hating and judging my body at probably 11 years old. And it's something that has fucked with me my entire life. And I still struggle with it to this day. But I think that as I've gotten older, it's really the angle that I've landed on that helps me keep it in check and have a loving energy towards my body as much as possible is that I look at it more about how I feel than what I look like. And that really helps me because the reality is when I'm like a little thicker from what I've been eating or from being stagnant with exercise, I actually don't feel amazing. And it's not really from a place of judgment. It's from a place of feeling, I don't feel sexy in my body. I don't feel like sexy in my clothes. I feel like dense. And so that's, I think, that best way to look at it because then you can have fun with food and you can enjoy things that you like. It's like I eat my healthy balanced diet. I know what my body really likes. I work out four to five days a week and then I can still like have fun with food and eat sugar and like enjoy myself. And the other thing is that nobody is judging your body except for you. And that's something that I need to remind myself literally every day. Yeah, I feel like we were really, there was such a disservice for our generation when it came to body image. And I mean, like I've been falling asleep and this is at no fault to these women, but I was been falling asleep watching Friends, for instance, and like Mm -hmm. seeing how truly in hindsight, unhealthy. Emaciated. The body emaciated. The trend, like the body trend was then. And like hearing the women now reflect on that you know, and calling it out. And unfortunate that that was, were the images that we were given at such a young, impressionable age. I found my journal from when I was 11 years old. I've read it on the show. My New Year's resolution was to lose five pounds. Sad. You probably weighed like 40 pounds. In looking at my own story, do, do I think it drove the ship? No, but it was definitely this like silent component for a really long time. And I would be 
remiss if I didn't mention, you know, my struggle with Adderall that definitely had something to do with appetite suppression. The only reason I went on Adderall, why I lied and fucking passed the ADD test with like flying colors to the point where the psychologist was like, I'm surprised you could even sit here. You have such bad ADD because I was fucking leaning in so hard is because I wanted Adderall to be skinny. Straight up. Right. Yeah. Straight up. Mine was like, I liked how it made me feel. And then the not eating was like a bonus. Mm -hmm. However, I'm going to be equally truthful and say how fucking happy I am that that doesn't have that, that the thoughts of my body and the thoughts of what I eat has just not top of mind. Like I don't think about it in the way I used to at all. And I feel like because of that, and listening to my, like I have a dialogue with my body now that is truly at a place that was different from even a year ago. Like I think this time, this COVID time, being home, paying attention to my circadian rhythm and my, you know, or was it, no, not the circadian. What's the one that Elisa Vitti taught us about? Infradian, infradian. Thank you. Circadian also, but infradian. So really getting in touch with all of that and knowing that like how how fueled I feel when I eat and what I eat. And that is the thing. And I feel like because of that, I feel better than I've ever had. And by way of that, if we want to talk looks, like I feel like I look better than I've ever had. But it's only because yeah. of that self-love, I've tended to it. And I've just also like, mm-hmm. I see the toxicity in the messaging that came forth to us when we were in our formative years. And I Mm -hmm. don't want that to be a thing anymore. Like, I just don't. I don't want, like, my hope for our next generation and the generations that are coming up is that, like, they won't have those impossible body standards that we're just, that we were just inundated with. Yeah, of course. But, like, here's the thing. Like, I also think that it's fucked up to say that, like, you can't be conscious of your body and you can't, like, I love having a goal for working out. And I love like the way it feels like when I like walk around with my arm weights and I see my arms getting a little toned. Like, I think that's like a beautiful thing that we have this capacity to formulate this fucking skin bag in like whatever way we want. I want us all to just look inward to find that and not look to somebody representation of a standard of beauty might Yeah. Or because they only have the sample sizes available for the shoot. Like there's a lot of like weird stuff in fashion that was decided by a really small group of people who had a morphed sense of beauty. And then that unfortunately trickled down into our sweet little minds. And I just am I'm really excited when I just see so much opportunity for for representation of all shapes and sizes now. Like that to me is like, a, I have a lot of gratitude that when I, anytime I see that out out there in the media we consume. So, so yeah, we've had some stuff. <laughs> I know, like I wish I could say I've never thought about it, but that's just not true. I wish I could say I never think about it. Like over the summer, I in the beginning of the pandemic, I was eating so many cookies because I was just like alone and dealing with things through like, enjoyment and pleasure of that variety. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of woke up one day and I was like, oh, I like nothing's really feeling right. Like I'm, it's not fitting me. I've kind of feel like I know I'm craving sugar in a way that's like unhealthy. And so I went off of it right. for like two months and I like loved how I got like 
lean and I felt energetic and I wasn't craving foods that I was craving before. And it wasn't about being restrictive about the food, but it was like, it was like, it wasn't controlling me. I was making a choice of what I was putting in my body and everything I was putting in my body was making me feel better and more energized. And I think that's a beautiful thing. It's just like, you have to be careful because, you know, a lot of people in in this community too, like a lot of people have like rebranded their eating disorder as like a healthy lifestyle choice. And you just have to be really, really real with yourself about why you're doing the things that you're doing and like keep it in check because I know you and I have had conversations where we're like, oh, we can't really do that diet or we can't do that thing because that's going to edge up on eating disorder consciousness. And we don't even want to like put ourselves in that pool because we're subject, we're easily swayed by that because of our young mind. So yeah, I think it's just like being really aware of, you know, and honest, like, why are you doing what you're doing? How far are you willing to take it? If you gain five pounds after you eat some sugar again, like I have, are you going to be okay? Are you judging yourself? Are you mean to yourself? Are you just like, who cares? Like as Rihanna once said, I have the luxury of a fluctuating body type. Like, are you just wow. going to enjoy yeah, that? for real. At any time, you can make any decision that can have you look one way or another. And here's another thing. Don't compliment people on being skinny. Oh, thank you for saying that. We have friends that will say that, like, they'll message me that. And I'm like, infuriated. Like, tell me I look great. Tell me I look healthy. Tell me I look radiant. Tell me I look like I'm happy. Tell you me- look so smart. <laughs> now I know you're lying. No. <laughs> but you know, like to say like, you look so great. You look so thin. It's like, ooh. Yeah, let's just like put that down. Yeah, but you know what? You do lose mass when you're not holding on to hard emotion. It's interconnected and it's nuanced. So it's like really, it's just, again, it's the same thing with the relationship thing. It's the same thing with the drug thing. It's like, all of this, I think what we're saying comes back to like really being radically honest with yourself and your why. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, we are going to cut it off right there. This is a two-parter. Thank you guys so much for all your questions. What a fun episode. If you want to hear more from us, we just launched a fun little weekly email that includes all the links from the things that we mentioned in our episodes as well as just random things that we think are cool that we want to let you guys know about. You can sign up for that at thatsoretrograde.com. If you're enjoying this show, leave us a review on iTunes. We love to hear from you over there. So thanks for joining us. Thanks to Foria for helping make the show happen. And we will see you later this week. Bye.